Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, we support the Palestinian hunger strikers languishing in Israeli prisons. On April 17, more than a thousand Palestinian prisoners commenced a hunger strike under the leadership of high-profile political prisoner Marwan Barghouti. Two weeks later, more than 1,600 prisoners are now participating. To talk more about the hunger strike and the plight of Palestinians, Reem Yunus, a Palestinian socialist and activist based in Melbourne, Australia. Over 1,500 Palestinian prisoners have started a hunger strike. Today is exactly two weeks from when they started. And of course, today is International Workers' Day. Tell me a little bit about what prompted the, um, the commencement of the hunger strike. Why this particular point in time, given the repression has been so deep for so long? That's right. Uh, the repression has been for so long, but let's also remember that this hunger strike is not the first in the history of the Palestinian prisoners. They've had uh, a number of uh, attempts of uh, lengthy hunger strikes in the past, uh, as far back as 1970. There was a person who uh, had it for three days and then he won his demands. But... um, Let's also remember in 2012, there were a number of hunger strikers uh, here and there, like in the twos and threes, here and there. Um, Some of them lasted 80 days, 79 days, 88 days. I think, um, yeah, there is... uh, Bilal Al-Qayyad, his name, he he lasted 87 days. So these people have been in administrative detentions in the past, uh, in 2012, and that's what prompted it, because uh, it was on the the rise. Administrative detention is when they uh, lock up um, Palestinians with no charge, no trial, uh, no, no prospect of knowing uh, when they will be released or why they are locked up. Um, So there is, of course, lawyers are um, unable to help them. So that is a very bad system. Um, At the moment, things are getting uh, worse and worse on the ground in Palestine. There is the, let's remember that it is 50 years since the occupation of the West Bank and Gaza in 1967, and it's been 69 years almost uh, for Nakba. And let's not also forget that it is the 100th anniversary of the uh, Balfour Declaration of uh, that happened in November 
Jerusalem and the surrounding of the East Jerusalem area. Remember the detention uh, of even children, Palestinian children, is has been intensified, especially in the past year or two. And of course, the administrative detention didn't stop. The security coordination uh, between uh, Abbas Palestinian Authority and the Israeli government um, did not stop, which means whoever um, Abbas's forces capture for a few days for uh, or months, let's say, for interrogation, the minute they are released, the Israelis will detain them. So the increased number of detainees plus the, the inhumane treatment of the detainees, that is like not going steady, but on the rise, uh, denying them family visits, denying them even having a public phone to to use, to contact, having most of the Israeli prisons in what is uh, the Israeli land, which is 1948 Palestine, which means even visits will be harder because the family of the people in the West Bank they will need a permit, which will not be granted most of the times. I want to ask about some of the the use of repression inside the prisons. Obviously, you've talked about the withholding of um, family visits and access to telephone calls and those sorts of things. Um, But there's a particular weapon of repression that is used, and that's the withholding of medical treatment. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, that was a documented fact through uh, a number of uh, human rights organisations such as Amnesty, such as Adamir, such as B'Tselem. So all these organizations um, have documented, uh, and the, the lawyers of the prisoners themselves, uh, the negligence for uh, medical treatment of the detainees has been systematic and deliberate. Um, I've uh, heard and read about a lot of cases of Palestinian prisoners who have been diagnosed, let's say, with cancer and not treated for cancer or not treated the enough treatment that is needed for them. And some people who have even simpler, easily treatable diseases or injuries uh, that are just sent to the prison of the hospital, the hospital, sorry, of the prison, which is known as uh, collaborating and uh, increasing their um, suffering because they will be given a, a Panadol, let's say, or uh, like very, very inadequate, insufficient treatment until their um, medical condition worsens. So that's uh, that's also a big thing uh, for those who are not just in administrative detention, but those who are like living almost half or more than half their lives there. Because let's let's not forget that there are people who are doing two, three, four, or even five life sentences, like ridiculous. That's an interesting point. How is it possible to serve that many life sentences on top of each other? Surely surely one is enough. True, but that's uh, the way the Israeli apartheid system is trying to break our people's will by 
breaking the people who are inside the prison um, of having any prospect of liberation. There is uh, one um, prisoner, his name Karim Yunus, he's been in the prison since 1983. So he's now in his 70s, and his kids are uh, in their 30s and, and 20s, and they are like he didn't see them, they didn't see him. There are a lot of prisoners, of course, in that situation who have lost their, their mothers, their fathers, uh, their relatives. They, they died while they couldn't uh, see them. I am a prisoner. In his um, 30 year in prison, he only saw his mom and dad for once. And, and uh, five years ago, his dad died, and his mom uh, can't visit him. Uh, so, you know, these things are really inhumane, but it's a double standard, you know, uh, and we call Israel uh, an apartheid system because the judicial system has two tiers of, if you like, injustice. Israel is caught on theft and other crimes, or even the Israeli settlers who omit, commit crimes against the Palestinians they will be uh, getting virtual uh, impunity, whereas, the, as you said, the Palestinians get a number of life sentences. To just tell them, you're here in our, under our mercy, and there is no hope for you if you resist. If you remember the number of detainees now who are presently like uh, in prison are above 650,000. Like, if you think of that, for the West Bank only, this is more than 40% of the male population of the West Bank only. Yeah, so that's uh, the way of breaking uh, our people's spirits and will for the resistance. I want to look at the hunger strike because this is obviously a last resort strategy to try and, and break the repression against those prisoners in those Israeli jails. However, it is a it is a self-damaging kind of a hunger strike. If you look at it, at all of the actions the Israeli government is taking against Palestinians, clearly their genocidal mission means that they want to eliminate Palestinians and a hunger strike is designed to injure the the prisoner. It doesn't necessarily injure the state, but my question is, does it? What what purpose? How how is hunger strike an effective strategy of resistance? Uh, the prisoner facing all this kind of inhumane and unjust treatment in the prison has no power, you know, unlike the worker who can withhold his work um, and stop the economy from running, uh, the hunger striker has only one way of expressing, which is to stop eating the food that is given to them uh, by the prison. And as you said, the Australian government, uh, I'm sorry, the Israeli government won't care, but there is the people of the conscience, the people of the world, the, world, the international community. If this hunger strike reaches out, uh, it will expose uh, Israel's double standards and, and 
undemocratic and unjust treatment for the Palestinians, and that will, in its own, force uh, pressure on the Israeli government. Now, there will be people who resist it, and in the Israeli establishment, they are still resisting it for two weeks, and they're refusing to actually make any negotiations with the Palestinian prisoners. But uh, Marwan Barghouti, who led this um, strike in the beginning and called for it, and and then it started with 1,000, reached 1,500, and uh, recently um, I realized 1,600, he managed to smuggle um, an open-end letter to the New York Times, which was published in its international edition. And uh, it was titled, Why We Are uh, Waging a Hunger Strike. On 16th of April 2017, one day before the commencement of the hunger strike, Marwan Barghouti got this piece out in the New York Times. Having spent the last 15 years in an Israeli prison, I have been both a witness to and a victim of Israel's illegal system of mass arbitrary arrests and ill-treatment of Palestinian prisoners. After exhausting all other options, I decided there was no choice but to resist these abuses by going on a hunger strike. Some 1,000 Palestinian prisoners have decided to take part in this hunger strike, which begins today, the day we observe here as Prisoners' Day. Hunger striking is the most peaceful form of resistance available. It inflicts pain solely on those who participate and on their loved ones in the hopes that their empty stomachs and their sacrifice will help the message resonate beyond the confines of their dark cells. Decades of experience have proved that Israel's inhumane system of colonial and military occupation aims to break the spirit of prisoners and the nation to which they belong by inflicting suffering on their bodies, separating them from their families and communities, using humiliating measures to compel subjugation. In spite of such treatment, we will not surrender to it. Israel, the occupying power, has violated international law in multiple ways for nearly 70 years, and yet has been granted impunity for its actions. It has committed grave breaches of the Geneva Conventions against the Palestinian people. The prisoners, including men, women and children, are no exception. I was only 15 when I was first imprisoned. I was barely 18 when an Israeli interrogator forced me to spread my legs while I stood naked in the interrogation room before hitting my genitals. I passed out from the pain and the resulting fall left an everlasting scar on my forehead. The interrogator mocked me afterward, saying that I would never procreate because people like me give birth only to terrorists and murderers. A few years later, I was again in an Israeli prison leading a hunger strike when my first son was born. Instead of the sweets we usually distribute to celebrate such news, I handed out salt to the other prisoners. When he was barely 18, he in turn was arrested and spent four years in Israeli prisons. The eldest of my four children is now a man of 31, yet here I still am, pursuing this struggle for freedom along with thousands of prisoners, millions of Palestinians and the support of so many around the world. 
What is it with the arrogance of the occupier and the oppressor and their backers that makes them deaf to this simple truth? Our chains will be broken before we are because it is human nature to heed the call of freedom regardless of the cost. Israel has built nearly all of its prisons inside Israel rather than in the occupied territory. In doing so, it has unlawfully and forcibly transferred Palestinian civilians into captivity and has used this situation to restrict family visits and to inflict suffering on prisoners through long transports under cruel conditions. It turned basic rights that should be guaranteed under international law, including some painfully secured through previous hunger strikes, into privileges and its prison service decides to grant us or deprive us of. Palestinian prisoners and detainees have suffered from torture, inhumane and degrading treatment and medical negligence. Some have been killed while in detention. According to the latest count from the Palestinian Prisoners Club, about 200 Palestinian prisoners have died since 1967 because of such actions. Palestinian prisoners and their families also remain a primary target of Israel's policy of imposing collective punishment. Through our hunger strike, we seek an end to these abuses. Over the past five decades, according to the human rights group at Amir, more than 800,000 Palestinians have been imprisoned or detained by Israel, equivalent to about 40% of the Palestinian territory's male population. Today, about 6,500 are still imprisoned, among them some who have the dismal distinction of holding world records for the longest periods in detention of political prisoners. There is hardly a single family in Palestine that has not endured the suffering caused by the imprisonment of one or several of its members. How to account for this unbelievable state of affairs? Israel has established a dual legal regime a form of judicial apartheid that provides virtual impunity for Israelis who commit crimes against Palestinians while criminalising Palestinian presence and resistance. Israel's courts are a charade of justice, clearly instruments of colonial military occupation. According to the State Department, the conviction rate for Palestinians in the military courts is nearly 90%. Among the hundreds of thousands of Palestinians whom Israel has taken captive are children, women, parliamentarians, activists, journalists, human rights defenders, academics, political figures, militants, bystanders, family members of prisoners. And all with one aim, to bury the legitimate aspirations of an entire nation. Instead though, Israel's prisons have become the cradle of a lasting movement for Palestinian self-determination. This new hunger strike will demonstrate once more that the prisoners' movement is the compass that guides our struggle, the struggle for freedom and dignity, the name we have chosen for this new step in our long walk to freedom. The Israeli authorities and its prison service have turned basic rights that should be guaranteed under international law, including those painfully secured through previous hunger strikes, into privileges they decide to grant us or deprive us of. Israel has tried to brand us all as terrorists to legitimise its violations, including mass arbitrary arrests, torture, punitive measures and severe restrictions. As part of Israel's effort to undermine the Palestinian struggle for freedom, 
an Israeli court sentenced me to five life sentences and 40 years in prison in a political show trial that was denounced by international observers. Israel is not the first occupying or colonial power to resort to such expedients. Every national liberation movement in history can recall similar practices. This is why so many people who have fought against oppression, colonialism and apartheid stand with us. The international campaign to free Marwan Barhouti and all Palestinian prisoners that the anti-apartheid icon Ahmed Kathrada and my wife Fadwa inaugurated in 2013 from Nelson Mandela's former cell on Robben Island has enjoyed the support of eight Nobel Peace Prize laureates, 120 governments and hundreds of leaders, parliamentarians, artists and academics around the world. Their solidarity exposes Israel's moral and political failure. Rights are not bestowed by an oppressor. Freedom and dignity are universal rights that are inherent in humanity, to be enjoyed by every nation and all human beings. Palestinians will not be an exception. Only ending occupation will end this injustice and mark the birth of peace. All these things, when it was exposed to the world, it hurts. It hurts for the Israeli image, who, you know, because the Israeli propaganda are trying to uh, give themselves the reputation of the only democracy in the Middle East. That's one then one thing. Um, but uh, I don't expect this to happen very fast. Like I told you about someone uh, three or four years ago, Bilal Kayed, who had to uh, to stay on hunger strike. It was um, 88 days until his demands were met and he was released from administrative detention. There is, for example, this extremely notorious right-wing person in the Israeli government. His name is Avigdor Lieberman. He's the Ministry, Minister of Defense. He took to Facebook recently and said no uh, negotiations with the terrorists. He calls the Palestinians in prisons terrorists. And we have to only deal with them like Margaret Thatcher. Of course, he is referencing Margaret Thatcher, who refused to listen to any demand in 1981 for the Irish hunger strikers until they died. Of course, that's the extreme. So let's see what happens. But all what I heard and read from the families of these people on hunger strike, which, as you said, will endanger their own health and weaken themselves in this process. They all support their sons and daughters and husbands who are following that hunger strike because they know that this is the only way. And they are picketing in front of the uh, prisons um, in the, the Palestinians of Jerusalem. And the, the rest of the West Bank is just uh, on fire with marches and uh, demonstrations about the situation with the prisoners. So, uh, look, this situation is unsustainable. Israel wants to crush it as best as they can, but it's not working for them because the Palestinians' will is stronger. If they die, they die. If they live, they will live in dignity. And that's why everybody call it Idrab al-Karama, which means in Arabic, the dignity strike. 
Well, it has certainly captured the international community's attention because everybody is speaking about the hunger strike. Certainly the the spread of it, the, the fact that there are so many, 1,600 prisoners, uh, out of 6,000 uh, or more um, Palestinian prisoners languishing in Israeli prisons. Um of course, the the broader plight is not just for the conditions inside the prisons, although that is a very, very important part of it, but it is absolutely about an end to the apartheid state in Israel. There has been uh, a lot of talk about two-state, one-state solution, and of course, uh, our favourite bigot, Trump, has invented a new bogus one-state solution version. So this is complicating the discussion further. I mean, what do you think the war is going to look like with with Trump um, supporting Israel the way he is? Trump is being blatant and open about it, but he's not different than previous American presidents and Republicans or Democrats alike who led the White House in the in before with uh, considering Israel their best ally and uh, of course it's their watchdog in the Middle East and uh, so it's nothing new and what we we have to see to say is for us the progressives the people who uh, are pro Palestine and pro democracy. We don't believe in the reactionary one state that Trump believes in, which is uh, just the exclusive supremacy of the Jewish state of Israel, which is like the Zionist uh, view. We are for one state with equal rights for all. That's what we want. It doesn't worry me what Trump is saying, what others are saying, what really we need um to think about is to um, to support the Palestinians and to support support the peoples of the Middle Eastern region in their uh, quest for democracy. Um, it, star- it starts by toppling their dictators. Uh, there was a Palestinian leader whom uh, until today I respect and I admire, the late George Habash, who once said the road for Palestine must go through the Arab capitals first, meaning that these Arab capitals that uh, and all the Arab peoples who are um, ruled by despotic dictators, they have to liberate themselves first, then and only then the working, uh, the Arab working class around uh, the surrounding of Israel, what is uh, the Israeli occupation, can help the Palestinians to liberate them themselves. It's hard to imagine liberation and smashing the apartheid state of Israel without the rise of the liberated democratic peoples of the region. That was Reem Yunus, Palestinian socialist and activist based in Melbourne, Australia. And that's all we've got time for on Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.